Welcome to the Series 6 Exam Prep, podcast lessons for the FINRA Series 6 Exam. This podcast is to assist you in preparing for the FINRA Series 6 Exam. Well, what is the FINRA Series 6 Exam? The FINRA Series 6 Exam is an exam for those who wish to sell investment company products. It's much different from the Series 7 Exam, which is the General Securities Representative Exam. Typically, this is an entry-level exam that allows you to sell basically mutual funds and investment company products, and as such, is a much easier exam to pass than the Series 7 exam. Now, concurrent with taking this exam, you must also pass the Securities Industries Essentials exam. In reality, you should take the Securities Industries Essentials exam before you take the Series 6 exam. It will help prepare you for the exam. This podcast is going to give you sample portions of the lessons contained in the full bundle of audio lessons for the Series 6 exam prep, audio lessons for the FINRA Series 6 exam. This is an audio course of 8 hours and 44 minutes in length, and there are 20 individual lessons in the full bundle of audio lessons. The full bundle of audio lessons is available at Series 6, and that's the number 6, Lessons.com. Again, www.series6lessons.com. If you like the samples that you're hearing here, and if you would like to try four full-length audio lessons, you can go to the website and sign up to receive the four full sample lessons to help determine if you think these audio lessons would be valuable for you. All right, enough of an introduction. Let's get on to this sample lesson. This is a sample of the Series 6 lesson number three, Sales Blotter, Types of Account Ownership, Know Your Customer. The full length of that lesson is 26 minutes and 20 seconds. Welcome to this lesson about the FINRA Series 6 exam. This is Unit 1, Part 2. Today we'll be talking about some other concepts you're going to need in the domain of opens, maintains, transfers, and closes accounts and retains appropriate account records. This is one section of the FINRA exam, and so we'll be focusing on the questions you might encounter in this section. So I'm going to present some information to you, and then I'll go ahead at the end and go back and let you quiz yourself, and you can see how much you learned today. If you find that you understand the content well, then you might as well just go on and learn some more content. But if not, you might want to review what you've learned so far before moving on. So let's go ahead and get started. The first term I want to talk about is a sales blotter. So this is just a daily record that shows all the movements of cash and securities that a broker-dealer is responsible for during the business day. So it's just a record that you keep called the sales blotter. A ledger is another word for record. You're expected to keep ledgers of just about everything that you do. Assets and liabilities, income versus expenses, the movements of all cash and securities within each customer's account. 
And as I mentioned in previous lessons, you have to keep records for a very long time. You have to keep them for a matter of years. And that if you get audited and you don't have records on all of your customers, they're not organized and in good working order, then you can come under censure for that. So don't want to do that. Now, I'd like to talk about a few different types of account ownership. So first we have an individual account. It's owned by a single person. That's a pretty simple, straightforward kind of account. Then we have a TOD account, which stands for Transfer on Death. And that means this account passes directly to a beneficiary on the death of the account holder without having to go to a probate court. So a probate court is just one that settles someone's estate. So it doesn't have to go through a probate court. It doesn't have to go through the process of a will. It just is automatically goes to the beneficiary that has been designated upon the death of the account holder. So a TOD agreement has to be signed with a broker dealer, however. So while the original account owner is still alive. And then a second contingency beneficiary may also be named. So if for some reason, let's say you set up a TOD account and you want the beneficiary to be your wife or husband, but it ends up that your wife or husband actually dies before you do. And so your contingency beneficiary could be, say, your oldest child. And so and then when you pass away, then it will go to your oldest child instead of your spouse who's no longer around. The next is a trading authorization. That's just someone else who has power of eternity over your account. So that's a good term to know. We have a joint account, which is an account that two or more people own. And if you have the right of survivorship, the assets pass to the survivor if one person dies. So let's say you've got two business partners who are jointly owning the account. If you have the right of survivorship, if that's part of the account, if that's in the contract, then if one business partner would die, then the account just becomes the property of the other business partner. If you don't have the right of survivorship, then it's probably going to go to, through the will process or the probate court process and go to that person's heirs instead of going to the other person automatically. The next is a joint tenants in common. That means if one person dies, the person's assets go to the person's estate, like I just mentioned, not to the other tenant or tenants. So if it's a joint tenant in common, you don't have the right of survivorship. Next, we have what is called a custodial account. And that is just an adult who's opening up an account on behalf of a minor. The adult is the name on the account that's called the nominal owner and the minor is the beneficial owner the person who's going to benefit from this account at least eventually the account can be set up as a ugma or a utma a ugma is a uniform gifts to minors account and a utma is a uniform transfers to minors account so that the money can be gifted to the minor when he or she comes of age, so when they become an adult. There can only be one custodian per account of this type, and gifts cannot be taken back once they're given. So a lot of people just do this and put this money away so that it's there for their children when they come of age. The next is a trust account. And now this is an account for the benefit of another that has stipulations on it, such as how much can be withdrawn in a year, what types of investments can be made with the account, and so on. The grantor is the person who creates the trust and then sets down the rules of the trust. 
in a document called the Trust Agreement. And this Trust Agreement also names the grantee. That's the person who is benefiting from the trust. So if a parent wants to create a trust for a child, they can say, well, this is a trust that I'm creating for your education. You have to use this money and spend it on your tuition and books and college expenses or whatever, so that they can't just take the money and go out and party with it and just blow the money. They have to use it for a very specific purpose or they can't get at that money. So that is a trust account. It has strings attached to it. Next, we have what's called an estate account. And this is an account that's created after a person passes away. And it requires a great deal of supporting documentation, such as a tax ID, a death certificate, court documents, and the estate holds the deceased person's assets until they can be dispersed. So if the person had a will, then they will be dispersed according to that person's will. If the person died intestate, which means that they didn't have a will, then it will go to a probate court. And the probate court will look and see who's next in line, if this person had heirs, living relatives, people that he, that the money should logically go to, a spouse, children, or other close relatives. So that is what an estate account is. Next, we have a discretionary account. And this is an account where the broker-dealer is allowed to buy and sell at his or her own discretion while still collecting commission. So the customer has to sign a discretionary authorization form. You give them a lot of power. You let your broker-dealer kind of use his or her best judgment on this. But they still can collect a commission from it. So it really is something that the customer really has to understand what they're getting into. Next, we have what is called a guardian account. And a guardian account is created for a minor when his or her guardians become mentally incompetent or die. A person has to act as the person's guardian until they come of age. Thank you again for listening to this sample portion of the full lesson. If you found this lesson valuable, please go to the website, series6lessons.com. And that series, the number six, lessons.com. At the website, you will find a link to purchase the full series of audio lessons if you found this to be valuable to you. Also at the website, you can sign up to get four full-length sample lessons. Best of luck in your studies. 